I listen to the diaries because it sparks ideas for new adventures. Whether it is an episode about an epic adventure or a backyard micro-adventure, I start thinking about my next adventure. I'm inspired by the people and their stories to go a little farther and dig a little deeper. If you want to add more spark to your adventurous ideas, consider subscribing to the Diaries Plus today. I'm Crystal, a longtime listener from the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina. Thanks to everyone who has subscribed to the Diaries Plus. It's been awesome, and you're powering the show as we move into the future. If you're interested in subscribing today, there's a link in the show notes. Please join. Now, on to the show. In the foreword to Night Shift, which is Stephen King's like classic short story horror book that produced all these movies from my childhood, he wrote that he still takes pains to be sure that my legs are under the blankets after the lights go out. I'm not a child anymore, but I don't like to sleep with one leg sticking out. The thing under my bed waiting to grab my ankle isn't real. I know that. And I also know that if I'm careful to keep my foot under the covers, it will never be able to grab my ankle. And I love that because I think that is the truth of it, right? There's like the reality side and then there's how we experience it. Like right now in Seattle, it's getting darker and colder. And the other night I had chores to do. And the kids are in bed and, you know, it's like it's 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. And it's got that eerie feeling to it. There's a little bit of fog. And the streetlights are kind of going through the, the newly changed colored leaves. And it's just got that, like, I don't know, that coldness, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of like gets into your, your joints a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm out and I'm, you know, we're getting ready for the ski season and I'm going out and I, you know, I've got, got my tools and I'm working on the trailer and I'm inside the trailer and, you know, I've got this like one lone dome light, right? You know, that's just illuminating this little workbench and I've got the door open and, and I, you know, so I can see out into the kind of street and the, the darkness, but I can't really see much beyond that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm there and I'm like, futzing with something you know just tinkering and not a care in the world and then all of a sudden it is just like the the hair on the back of my neck stands up and there is a figure in the door and I turn around and it's out of the corner of my eye and I'm like and I like turn and then of course there's nothing there and I'm like oh god come on really like, did that just happen? And and I'm sitting there and I'm just like, do I go outside? Do I go outside? Do I stay in the trailer? What weapons do I have inside the trailer? What am I doing? Was that real? Was that real? I know that's not real. And logically, I am like 100%. Like, I'm like, all right, calm down, dude. And like, I can put it away and I can just be like, all right, okay. That was, that was some weird little thing that happened. And it's not real. And I know... Like, I can take a deep breath and calmly leave the trailer, right? Like, I can say that to myself. But you know what I did, Cordelia? I fucking ran. (laughs) (laughs) Well, today, 
we have terrifying tales for all of you. Disembodied footprints, dark figures approaching through the woods. So snuggle up with a friend or your favorite stuffed animal and get ready to get spooky. Happy Halloween, everybody. I'm Fitzko Hall. I'm Cordelia Zars. You're listening to Tales of Terror on the Dirtbag Diaries. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect fall weather in East Tennessee often means warm days, cool nights, and bright changing leaves. Everyone wants to get outside after spending the summer months indoors with the air conditioning. While trying to escape the oppressive heat and insane humidity, you can feel the energy from the climbers in this area once that first cold snap happens. One fall, Two friends and I planned a trip to a climbing area just outside Chattanooga. We wanted to get our boulder-only friend on lead. She was ready and willing, but nervous nonetheless. We packed up to spend the night at a backcountry campsite so we could get two full days of climbing in. While this wasn't our home crag, we felt comfortable in this area as hikers and swimmers frequented the massive waterfall along the trail. When I camped in the area before, I had made the mile or so hike to the campsite in the dark with a broken headlamp. A little spooky, but a full moon provided some light. Now Avery, Lauren, and I basked in the satisfaction of a successful climbing day. Lauren had exceeded her own expectations of lead climbing. We felt good, sitting around the campfire, eating our dinner. That night, as we settled into our tents, Avery alone and me sharing with Lauren, we listened to the sounds of the night. A slight wind, crickets chirping, as we drifted off to sleep. I woke up. Midnight? 1 a.m.? Help! Or was it... Hello? Both? It was definitely both as I heard the cries for help clearly through the tent. I lay still, hoping I was just dreaming. Help! Hello? Someone's really out there, and each time I heard it, they were getting closer and closer. The voice sounded female. She sounded scared. Yet I lay there hoping it would just go away, and we would joke about the weird dream I had over breakfast the next day. It didn't go away. It only continued to get closer. I would hear the voice, and then it would stop. 
sometimes for 30 seconds at a time. But closer still, each time it came back. The next thing I knew, I heard the shuffling from the tent beside me while Lauren continued to sleep. Or maybe she was also secretly pretending it wasn't happening. Avery was also awake now, and we talked through the thin walls of our tents. We remembered seeing a search and rescue team in the parking lot earlier that day and wondered if this could be the person they were out looking for. We weren't very far from a cliff line. If this person had no light, they could get dangerously close to the edge. Or worse, fall. We couldn't ignore the situation anymore. Hoping that it was a person lost, Avery suggested we get out of our tents to see if we could help. There she was wandering closer and closer to the tent. It looked to be a young woman like us, but it was still too dark to make out much. She must have been cold. Her arms wrapped around her torso for warmth. I remember thinking, She looked a lot like me and Avery. Average stature, medium brown hair. I couldn't quite tell, but something was off. As she got up to the campsite, her yelling stopped. I could feel her looking right at us. We asked if she was okay, no response. She continued past us and towards the trail we used to hike in. Feeling freaked out, but still concerned for her safety, we hesitantly followed a bit behind as she walked ahead. Maybe we could get her to talk so we could help, or just figure out what had happened. As we continued down the trail behind her for a few minutes, we suddenly saw a light up ahead. A small light shining from what looked like a group of people. There were maybe four or five of them. They looked like college students who decided to go camping on a whim. Not the type to be staying at a primitive campsite. I only heard the sounds of shoes on the trail. They stopped when they saw us, but the woman continued walking towards them, eventually merging into the group. We exchanged no greetings as we stood there in fear uncertain about what was happening. There were a few moments of complete silence before they began walking away from us down the trail. Was this woman lost and now reunited with people who were out looking for her? Maybe, but wouldn't they have been relieved to have found each other? Wouldn't they have said something? And why were they out this far in the middle of the night with no camping gear? Nothing made sense. Suddenly, we remembered Lauren back at the tent, alone. We needed to get our own group back together. So we ran back in the cool fall air, goosebumps 
prickling our skin to the safety of our tents. That was Hillary Webster. Next up, we'll hear another haunting tale from Luke Miller. That's after the break. Support for the diaries comes from Ketone IQ. As I've been getting more and more into longer runs and bike rides, I found myself fighting with my mind. As the miles extend, I feel like my reactions get slower and I make more mistakes, like tripping or falling or just kind of feeling slightly out of sync descending on the bike. On those big days, I've been using Ketone IQ to help my brain keep fueled and sharp. I want to have fun, not bonk. Here's the science. Ketones already exist in your body. When you push up against your boundaries, your body begins to convert stored fat into ketones, which your brain prefers consuming. With Ketone IQ, I feed my brain so my muscles can use the glucose I get from whatever else I eat on the trail. Riders of the Tour de France have been taking the same approach. I am definitely not as fast, but I can apply the same thinking. Give it a try. You save 30% off your first subscription order at ketone.com backslash dirtbag diaries. Once again, that's ketone.com backslash dirtbag diaries. The link is in the show notes. Please check it out. Support comes from Kuat Racks. The Piston SR is a single rail bike rack that easily mounts on most roof racks, overlanding utility racks, and truck bed rack systems. The dual ratcheting piston arm grabs your tires and makes no contact with the bike frame. So that's better for your bike, right? Plus, the rack has an all-metal construction, genuine Kashima coat, and integrated cable locks. That translates to being super burly. Kuat has taken their Piston Pro X and elevated it. Find more details at kuat.com. Kuat, because you will absolutely love this rack. I married into a family that loves to hike and quickly found out that suffering can also be a family bonding experience. I slogged through my first miles of rough, muddy, bug-infested New Hampshire trails, but soon learned to crave the relentless uphills and knee-busting descents of the White Mountains. Up until 2019, I had only ever hiked in the summer and fall, but when we became residents of the Granite State, I began to consider hiking some mountains in the winter. I set my sights on an achievable goal to kick off my winter adventures. Welsh and Dickey are two smaller mountains in the southern White Mountains. The summit loop covers about four miles and offers stunning ridgeline views. I hiked it many times in the summer, so I thought it would make an easy first winter trek. So, the day before Thanksgiving, I woke up early, put on way too many layers, said goodbye to my wife as she got ready for work, and set off for the trailhead. Half an hour later, I pulled into an empty parking lot at the base of the mountains. At 6.30 a.m., I flicked on my headlamp and navigated from my car to the trailhead. I had never started a hike alone in the dark before, and my mind quickly got to work imagining all possible worst-case scenarios. Bear attacks. Fatal falls. Frostbitten extremities. Getting mobbed by a herd of angry moose. But I had to get used to these chilly alpine starts if I wanted to accomplish bigger, frigid endeavors. So 
I continued up the trail, dreaming of what it must be like on top of the presidential range in January, gazing across the frozen wilderness. What is that? I jumped backwards as a large figure came bounding out of the woods. Wolf. Coyote. Bear. No. Deer. Just stay white-tailed deer. I laughed at myself, thinking how stupid I must have looked. You're totally safe, I reassured myself. Nothing to worry about. And then I noticed it, illuminated by the light of my headlamp, a single footprint. Tread into the mud on the trail. Normally footprints smudge a bit when the hiker pushes off to take another stride, but not this one. This was a perfectly clear imprint of a boot. And no other footprints came before or followed this one. That's odd, I thought. I was clearly the first person at the trailhead this morning. I shook off my discomfort and kept walking through the woods until I reached the exposed section of the hike which traverses a steep granite face towards the peaks. Then, as if on cue, snow started to fall. It felt like a magical wonderland for a minute, and then I realized the fresh snow had covered all the trailblazes on the rocks. Struggling to find the path, I wondered if I should turn back. Nah, just a bit further. I fastened my microspikes to my boots for traction on the icy rock and squinted ahead to find the next blaze. At this point, the trail pivoted steeply up, exposing an icy runway towards the summits of Welsh and Dickey. I dug my microspikes as best I could into the glassy surface and kept moving towards treeline. Midway up the slope, I looked back down at the trail and realized I didn't really have the option of turning back back at this point. The trail looked too steep and too icy. If I turned around now, it would likely mean a long and painful sled run. You know, just without the whole sled part. As the sun popped above the eastern horizon, I noticed a second footprint. Same size and tread as before. There's no way... I thought, this is fresh snow in the middle of an icy mountain luge and no other tracks led to this one, just that single disembodied footprint again. The only other tracks on the entire mountain were mine. Slightly shaken, I continued up the slope to find the next trail marking. As I passed the footprint, I saw another one a few yards ahead, with nothing connecting them. 
I continued to follow these eerie marks spaced out every few yards until I found a section of the trail I recognized. Up and over, both slippery peaks, all the while seeing lone boot prints along the way, disturbing the freshly fallen snow. I eventually made it back down below treeline. The falling snow began to subside. I noticed the footprints less and less as I drew closer to the trailhead. But as I wove through sections of the pine-covered forest, I thought I saw the flash of a blue backpack. I exhaled. I'm not crazy. Someone was making those prints after all. I sped down the trail towards my fellow hiker. I had no problem navigating the roots and snow-spattered leaves underfoot, but no matter how quickly I traveled, I couldn't catch up to the person I chased down the mountain. I'd see the same flash of blue just up ahead, but it always stayed just out of reach. I made the final turn out of the woods and down a short trail that headed back to the parking lot. Surely the other hiker wouldn't be able to get back into their car before we had a laugh about the whole situation. I sprinted the last section of downhill, but when I arrived in the parking lot, I saw only two cars. My truck and one that belonged to two friends just packing up to start their hike. Early day for you, huh? One of them shouted up to me. We were wondering who got up early enough to beat us to the trailhead. Thank you, Hillary and Luke for sharing your stories. Now we all won't be able to sleep <laughs> for the next month. Oh, that was awesome. Thank you. Our stories come from friends, from friends of friends, and from you, our community. If you have a compelling idea for a guest or a story, please give us a shout. You can use the submission form on our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Music today from Aiden Baker, Kai Engel, David Beard, and Brendan O'Connell. You can find the links to the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. This episode was produced by Cordelia Zars, Becca Call, Ashley Langholz, and me, Fitzka Hall. Illustration by Walker Call, graphics by Anya Miller. Becca Call is our executive producer. You've been listening to the Dirtbag Diaries. Happy Halloween. <laughs>